0: Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important
1: issues. Banned from praying in Jesus' name? We have an exclusive interview with the Duck Dynasty commander, Phil Robertson. Also reactions to Donald Trump's speech by radio host, Randy Corcoran and young millennial conservatives.
0: Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps.
1: God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. On this show, we like to do three things. We report the news, we discern the spirits, and we pray the scriptures in Jesus' name. But today, we're going to have news-making interviews with the Duck Dynasty Patriarch, Phil Robertson, who, according to CNS News last year, was banned from praying in Jesus' name on his own TV show, The A&E Network, back in 2012, when the video editors based in Los Angeles would often take out the words in Jesus' name from the Duck Dynasty family prayer because Jesus might offend Muslims or something. Here at the Western Conservative Summit, I got an interview with Phil about that challenge to his faith.
2: Well, our world is fast uh, developing into lawlessness. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. So we're looking at lawlessness and we're saying, boy, there's a lot of lawlessness going on. They're rioting, they're looting, raping, shooting on these city streets, just shoot, shooting its places. Say, what in the world? We've killed 60 million of our own children. ISIS is saying to us, "Well, if you didn't think your own children were worth anything, why do you think we're worried about what your life is worth? We don't think you're worth anything. That's why we're killing you." Just like you kill your children, that's why we kill you. We don't think you're worth anything. So they kill us, we kill our own children. You're like, hmm, we lost our moral high ground. If we could have stood there and told them, no, to us life is precious. We shouldn't kill each other. I mean, you're in your mother's womb and you're not safe there. They other day in that Supreme Court decision, they were jumping and hollering, but they were basically saying, we can kill them. We can keep killing them. They loved it. And I'm listening to them thinking, come on, you were in your mother's womb. She allowed you to live. And you want to sit there and tell me that it was a good move to let you live or a bad one? I mean, it's just... I'll tell you what it is, it's senseless, it's faithless, it's heartless, it's ruthless. That was the description the Apostle Paul gave that I quoted a while ago. You say, what's a human being like when he is senseless? (laughs) You tell me. Nonsense comes forth from him. You say, faithless, no God. Ruthless. You say, there's nothing them dudes won't do. I look at what we do to our children and what ISIS does to all the people around them, and I'm thinking, and in our own city streets in America, on why people shoot other people, I'm thinking, give me a break, lawbreakers, lawbreakers, lawbreakers. They forgot God.
1: I was a chaplain in the Navy. They told me, don't pray in Jesus' name. I did that anyway, and I've noticed you... They told me that on the TV show, too. Can you talk about that? Why is, why is Jesus so
2: important to you? It's, we're lawbreakers. You say, what's the penalty for breaking God's law? Death. One violation. One little white lie. <laughs> Cut off from God. Everybody. You say, you hear about Jesus, his death for you. He's the ultimate sacrifice. God in a human body. Now granted, look, I'll be the first one to tell you. It's the wildest story I've ever read. It's so wild, I don't think men could have dreamed it up. I don't think men could have invented a Jesus because I think it'd take more than a Jesus to invent a Jesus. I'm like, how did they come up? You got people talking about his coming thousands of years before he made it, hundreds and hundreds, and then you say, all those prophets, oh, by the way, all Jewish. So me as a Gentile, we Gentiles were grafted into the Jewish tree. They support us. It's all Jewish all the way through. When Jesus came, he brought the two together into one body. His kingdom. He's the king. You say, Are you a Baptist? No. Are you a Methodist? No. Are you a Catholic? No. You Episcopalian? No. You're Mormon? No. I said, I'm just a member of the body of Christ here on planet Earth the kingdom of God it was established in the days of the Roman kings Jesus came down remember repent for the kingdom is near they're all saying that it came Peter gets up and preaches Jesus what y'all heard tonight Jesus died for your sins was buried and raised from the dead they were cut to the heart when they realized we murdered him and by us murdering his death is going to remove the sin of murder they were like oh my goodness what have we done what do we do he said, "Repent and then be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. So that your sins will be forgiven, and God will give you spirit. Your, God's spirit is your mark for the resurrection day. You're like, there's a way off planet Earth. For the life of me, what in the world is wrong? Looking at our culture, what is wrong with somebody saying, like me, why don't we try? loving God and loving each other for a while. I mean, since you love a man, you're not going to mess with his woman. If you love someone, you're not going to steal their stuff. If you love someone, you're not even going to murder them, you're not even going to dislike them.
3: How as Christians can we be involved and fit into this political process and try and change this nation back?
2: I went with Ted Cruz because he, I knew he was a strict constitutionalist with the Supreme Court nominees in mind, strict constitutionalist. If you're a strict constitutionalist, you're a believer in James Madison. I quoted some of what he said, that he was a godly man. You say, I knew Cruz was godly and I knew he was a strict constitutionalist. I went with him. He lost. The people said, Mr. Trump, I look around at the alternative. I'm like, okay, here we go. I look over on the other side. They booed God out of their platform. I would never associate with them at all. I will preach the gospel to them if they would invite me. What do you think? <laughs> Can I get on the ticket when Hillary's at their convention? Will they invite me to enlighten some of our friends out there? What do you think?
0: I think they'd get some extra... that's your headline
2: there, local redneck mauled by a a crowd, (laughs) so Trump's what the people said, he's who the people said they want, they said we want him, I'm like I know Hillary Clinton's record because she has one, a long one, I'm looking at her record saying no, I look up at Trump, I said Well, he doesn't have a record. Hmm, I hear what he says, I hear what he does. I have requested, sent multiple people to him, and and they all laughed when I said it. I said, but the ultimate for America would be, we convert Mr. Trump, that way all the dirt they're gonna drag up on him, and all of the whatever uh, indiscretions he's been involved in, and the sins he's committed, If he would but be born again, he could then tell them, that's the old me, I've been born again, this is the new Donald Trump. It would be a starting point and I can see it now, Donald Trump and his cabinet, there's old Newt or some one of those guys that get in our sessions and the camera keeps panning over and then they get to me and they say, this man is his spiritual advisor and I'm sitting here. (laughs) Now that would send a shockwave through America and they say, The left-wingers would be jumping out of buildings saying, it is over as we know it. I don't even know whether that's possible or not, but it's just a thought. We need to convert Trump for sure if he's not converted. Y'all tell me. But I'm going with the unknown rather than someone I know. Him, I'm not sure about, but her, I know her. I said, I'm going with this dude here and take my chances.
4: Dr. Chaps will be right back with more PIJN News.
1: How can you discern the thoughts in your own mind from the thoughts that come to you from the Holy Spirit, or from angels, or from invisible demons? I'm Dr. Chaps, and you've seen us on this show talk about the gift of discerning of spirits. Maybe you know that I wrote my PhD dissertation entitled, How to See the Holy Spirit and Angels and Demons. And it's all about this important topic of receiving the gift of discerning of spirits. How can you discern the thoughts that come to you? How do you know to learn to hear the voice of God and discern that from the demonic voice which tempts us to sin? Well, this is an important skill, and it will change your ministry. It'll change your life, which is why we've created now not just a book, but a 17-part video Bible study on a four disc DVD set that we would like to send to you and your church and your family and your small group. This important Bible study series goes through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How did Jesus discern the spirits? How did the Apostle Paul discern the spirits? What does the Old Testament say about demons and the Holy Spirit and angels? When you learn to discern, it will transform your life and your ministry. Please visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org, and get this important video resource. Or call us toll-free at 866-Obey-God, and for a suggested donation of $99, we'll give you the entire 17-part Bible study series for just $99. And if you order today, we'll throw in the book for free. Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org, or call us toll-free at 866-Obey-God. Get this important Bible study series for your family. Call today
0: defending your religious freedom. Here is Dr. Chaps.
1: Welcome back. I'm Dr. Chaps. We're at the Western Conservative Summit in Denver. The 2016 conference we're grabbing celebrity interviews and you won't believe who I just found. Christian conservative radio host Randy Corcoran who is a national delegate to the RNC in Cleveland and also a Tea Party Patriot. Welcome to the program Randy.
5: Thank you Gordon. Appreciate it. So Tell our audience, if they haven't met you, how did you get started in politics? Oh, man, you know, I was, uh, I'd show up at election time to vote. And uh, during the Bush administration, I started doing things like uh, being a, uh, polit- a judge watcher. Uh, uh, it's been so long, I forget what it's called. And I got to the point where on election day, I'd be down in the um, war room of the Republican Party helping ans- answer questions from the election judges and that sort of thing. Um, but what really got me up off my couch to do more than Election Day was when George W. Bush II came out and talked about violating free market principles in order to save the free market. That just did not make sense to me. So I went to my first Tea Party meeting, and uh, it was the very beginning of the movement, and uh, that was in somebody's living room in Jefferson County. I live in Arapahoe. I found one of those meetings um, in Arapaho County, and the very first one I went to had three people at it, including myself. <laughs> And uh, within a couple of years, the, the leader of the group had to go to a different part of the state for work. And so people said, well, who are we going to run to be the chairman? Nobody spoke up. And so I kind of, by, by default, became the chairman of the Arapaho Tea Party. And I'm told I don't go around the state, so I don't know it for sure that it's still the largest tea party organization in the state. Well, about how many now? Well, it varies. We've had, we had 80. Um, last month or the month before probably 60 last month over a thousand members on Facebook six or seven hundred I think five or six hundred on the website so it's and
1: you you launched into uh, a radio broadcasting career and there was some controversy involved with that and but you still do that what
5: why well I was invited to do the radio I actually started advertising on a show called grassroots radio and uh, I, I run a law firm and part of advertising, included being invited on once in a while to talk about law firm or whatever, started talking about politics and really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I was so impressed with Ken Clark and Jason Worley, the people that started that show. And they actually started inviting me to, to come in and guest host when one of them was out or and eventually I started doing it myself. And then uh, KLZ 560 actually offered me the opportunity to do a morning show. And that was great for the year and a half that it lasted. And uh, Then there was some controversy in the Republican Party and we were told by new management that we couldn't have Steve House or Tom Tancredo on the radio in the midst of probably the biggest political story in the state and I resigned and uh, Ken Clark and Chris Cook who were doing other shows on KLZ at that time followed suit so since then I've had the blessing to do things like fill in for Peter Boyles and different hosts on 710 KNUS I love it so much because you get to hear from people, you get to talk to people, debate with people. And sometimes, there, you know, devolves into less than uh, cerebral debate, but um, it's just, I love being a part of it at that level. By the way, I just want to make an observation that uh,
1: with your hairline, you should be doing television, <laughs> and I should be doing radio, <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> but uh, yeah. but you, you obviously have a, the gift of gab, you have a talent, but also you have a curiosity about... Inter dialogue within, in this case, the Republican Party, and and I I know this is, by the way, a national audience, and I don't want to get too parochial, but what do you see happening in the Colorado GOP?
5: Well, it's very difficult right now because um, you know my my goal as a liberty activist and and working through the Tea Party wasn't to do away with the Republican Party or take over the Republican Party, it was to force the Republican Party to remember what it stood for, where it comes from, what its platform says, and, and encourage constitutional conservatives and people who would really care about that sort of thing. And now with this nomination of Donald Trump, and even people on my, really my own side of the right, the, the Tea Party movement, are very, very critical because I've refused to come out in support of the presumptive nominee. Well, you were uh, originally a
1: delegate for Ted Cruz, who did very well in the caucuses, and that's different than petitioning on, but people who go through the caucus process are pledged to a particular candidate. In this case, you said you would vote for Ted Cruz, your neighbors voted for you to become a delegate because they wanted you to vote for Ted Cruz, and then he dropped out of the race. So now what do you do?
5: Well, I've been learning a lot about the process. Never paid much attention to it at all. Uh, But what I've learned is that uh, for the history of the Republican Party, 166 years of history, with the exception of one convention, the delegates have arrived at the convention unbound, entitled to vote their conscience, obligated to vote their conscience. And the only discrepancy there was in 1976 when Gerald Ford, as the incumbent president, passed a rule to stop the insurgent Ronald Reagan and it worked. But that rule was, was rescinded the very next convention in 1980. So, now that I understand the process and the history, I, I too believe that no state party law, no, um, no state law or party law can bind the delegates at the convention the only way that can happen is if the rules committee for the 2016 convention passes some rule that binds us to something that we've said I have a personal obligation to vote for Ted Cruz because it was a personal pledge but there's no rule or law that requires it so you're going to Cleveland you are a national delegate
1: and going in it looks like Donald Trump is the presumptive nominee that's been reported Ted Cruz has dropped out but you're saying the current rules technically Do not require you to vote for any particular candidate. You are already free. And if they were to pass a different rule that would bind you, then that would be unprecedented in history except for that brief time in 1976.
5: Absolutely true. Yeah. And in fact, the other thing that people don't understand is every convention creates its own rules. So the rules that are in place from 2012, and the rules since 2012 to get us to 2016 all go away at the start of 2016. So a great deal of power and decision-making rests in the Rules Committee for 2016. So we have already
1: interviewed Kendall Unruh, a national delegate with you from Colorado, and she was supporting Ted Cruz, but now she's really not pledged to anyone. She wants to free the delegates, promote her. She's on the Rules Committee for a conscience clause where any delegate can vote on the first ballot for or against Donald Trump. They're not bound to vote for Donald Trump just because their state law, whether it's Pennsylvania or somewhere, some other state, sort of pressures them. If the delegates were unbound, is it theoretically possible that Donald Trump would not be our nominee even, even on the first, second, or third ballot?
5: Well, I think it's more than likely because a great number of the delegates that are on the Trump side right now were gathered in in open primary states or or winner-take-all states where a large number of the delegates weren't particularly enamored of Donald Trump but the majority vote, the popular vote in that state technically binds them according to their state or party rules. This conscience clause is very interesting because it doesn't change anything. What it really is is kind of an education program to try and help and get the delegates to understand that unless the Rules Committee does something new and, as you said, almost unprecedented, that we arrive there with our conscience and our choice and our obligation intact.
1: So this battle is not over. No. Trump is not yet the nominee until he secures uh, not just a promise, not just in theory, but the actual That's votes on the floor exactly. from those 1,237-odd delegates. Yeah.
5: yeah, so anything is really, really possible. And you know, the thing I always hear, and I've been taking a lot of abuse at the summit because a lot of people, especially for the Trump speech this morning, were are here, and, and it's the people have spoken and all these different things. And, and I don't minimize that. I don't diminish that at all. Um, but I see Donald Trump a lot differently than a lot of them do. And I've worked seven years through the Tea Party movement to be in a position to go and exercise, you know, fulfill my fundamental beliefs and, and do the very best that I can. And, uh, and so I, I want to go in with an opportunity. I don't know who might get dropped in. If... if if Jeb Bush came back to life or something like that, I'd, I'd support Donald Trump in a second just to stop that kind of a train wreck. But what if, um, what if Scott Walker becomes available or Mike Lee or somebody we haven't even thought of? Or Mitt Romney or uh, no, Paul or, Ryan no, or, no. I, or Ted Cruz? Well, Ted Cruz, obviously, I'd be excited <laughs> about. I don't think he wants to touch that, but uh, I don't know that for sure. But it's really important for people to understand that there have been 10 conventions where the front-runner did not emerge as the nominee. Well, there have been 10 conventions where it wasn't decided for sure at the convention. And in seven of those 10 conventions, the frontrunner did not emerge as the nominee. The last time that happened was Dwight Eisenhower, who wasn't a bad president. So anything is possible. You heard it from our guest, Randy Corcoran,
1: Christian, conservative, radio talk show host, Tea Party Patriot, and national delegate. Randy, thank you for coming on our show. It's
5: my pleasure. really appreciate it. All Good right. to you. God
1: bless you in Jesus' name. We'll be right back. This is PIJN News.
4: Defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back.
1: Do you ever pray and sometimes you feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling and they don't get to God or maybe you don't get the result that you hoped for? I'm Dr. Chaps and I want to make available to you a new resource, a four-part video Bible teaching series on how to pray effective prayers. Did you know God has given us instructions in the Bible? For example, in 1 Timothy 2, There are four different Greek words for four different kinds of prayers, supplication, petition, intercession, and thanksgiving. If you don't understand the way God teaches us to pray, then we cannot expect the result for which we hope. I'm asking you to get this important Bible video teaching series on DVD for a suggested donation of only $30. Call us right now at 866-OBEY-GOD Again, that's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Or visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org and get this important video resource for your family.
0: Empowering you, the grassroots activist. Here is Dr. Chaps.
1: Welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps. We're getting citizen reactions at the Western Conservative Summit, not only to the speech by Donald Trump, but just to the entire movement. You know, here in Colorado, a lot of conservatives are divided about whether to support Donald Trump what do young people your age think about him uh, besides one person most of us think that Trump is the better of the two evils we we don't like him but we'd prefer him over Hillary and I don't think that's different than what a lot of people think but what about his speech yesterday did you hear that were you inspired I I was pretty inspired he did a very good job very good job more Mature than he's been, and it kind of inspired me. Yeah, he's he's growing on me a bit.
4: I thought it was very refreshing that yeah. he was actually genuine this time. That he wasn't ranting yeah. and raving and yelling. Yeah. uh... Although I would have liked to hear uh, how patriotic he is about this country, yeah. because I believe that's how he's going to reach those who are hesitant to vote for him, right. such as myself. Mm-hmm. And um, that reaching those people is what he needs to do, because. There are several Republicans who know they can't vote for Hillary, but don't like Trump. And he needs to reach those and understand that he needs to unite the party, that he needs to come to them on their terms, not be so egotistical to think that they will automatically vote for him because there's no other candidate. Exactly. And I think he also,
3: you know, gets up there and preaches good ideas, but um, he needs to go back to the fundamental reasoning for his ideas or else no one... Believes he's genuine about them, right. and um, so that's something I'd like to see more. But he was m- a much better speaker than to uh, last. When was it Friday? China Friday. Friday. Um, than I'd heard from him before that I expected him to be. So I was impressed.
1: So I've got to ask about the Donald Trump speech in particular. Uh, you you told me you're a Republican, you're a conservative Christian, but you're not yet sold. You're not sure if you're going to vote for him or against him. Is, is that what I'm understanding?
3: Yep. Um, I'm one of the millennials who wakes up every day thinking like at different hours of the same day I'm definitely gonna vote for Hillary I'm definitely gonna vote for Trump I'm definitely not gonna vote at all I'm definitely gonna vote for a third-party candidate and I just have that loop in my head constantly and I don't have any peace so coming here I thought I cannot wait to hear from Trump himself with no media to interpret his message for me and to snag those bad highlights of all those faux paws and gas. like I just want to hear the whole thing uninterrupted and they got to hear it and i have to say that i am that much more inclined to vote for trump because man that guy has no control over his tongue and he has such disrespect for minority groups and i have a lot of things i hate about mr trump and i know that i'm not alone in that but um i am just so anti-hillary and i and i don't want to be just an anti-clinton voter but i'm starting to think if Trump at least is able to identify people like Supreme Court justices who can do their job well, as long as he's appointing the right people to do the right work, and if he is all about smaller government, I mean, who's going to be running for office to have smaller government? That's what I like about Republicans. It's like, hire me. I want less power, like Fiorina was saying last right. night, right. Um, then I'm thinking I, I might be able to trust Trump with that office more than I can Trump Clinton.
1: It sounds like you're leaning toward Trump, but you're it's more like you're voting against Hillary.
3: Yeah, and I'm not really enthusiastic about it, but that's, what I, the, that's the best I can do, I think.
1: Uh, how does your faith inform your conservative politics?
4: God is the ultimate authority, in my opinion. We must answer to him one day on how we vote and holding back the tide of evil. And in order to do that, we must reach out into the community. It's part of, in my opinion, the responsibility as a Christian. And that greatly influences the way I vote. Because I, knowing I have to answer God and knowing that I'm accountable for this, I must be on his side. I must vote the way uh, that he would vote and abiding by his principles and the values that he holds And, and that he says is right and is wrong.
1: If there's a young person watching, what would you say to them? I'd say just get involved as much as you can. get involved with your local Senate race, your local House of Representatives race. really, any race that you can get involved in plenty. I was involved in the governor's race back when I was three years old. Um, just get involved any way you can to try and change the country. Fantastic. Our guest has been Frankie Francone. I am honored to have young people uh, learning what it means to be a Christian, active, conservative here in America.